Not everybody wants a church like this. Not even everybody that walks in this building wants a church that looks like the Word of God. I don't know if you know that or not. I even can't help but notice that some that came for their first time has already left for their first time. Because that's not what they came for. In the same way that Saul wanted David's music, but he didn't want David's goat. <laughs> what are you talking about? Jesse sent, the father sent on David on the back of a donkey, I, you should note. Same way that Jesus came into Jerusalem. <laughs> Jesse sent a donkey packed with bread and wine. Interesting, huh? And a young goat. You know what that was? It was everything Saul needed to make it right. Today you recognize things like that as this is my body broken for you and this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. <laughs> and he provided the sacrifice, but that's not what Saul wanted. Saul wanted his demons silenced. And, such, and so it is. You probably need to understand that not everybody wants a place where they bring their lives to sacrifice it on the altar and to have to die. I've just had a bad week and I think I'll run to church. That'll make it all better. That's the same spirit that Saul had. But Saul died by his own sword when he didn't have to. Not everybody wants what it takes to have the manifest presence of God in their life. They want his benefits, but don't want him. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody likes the benefits. Man, that makes me want to say things. That's why people want to live together, but they don't want to get married because they... <laughs> Ooh, I felt that zing across the room. They want the benefits. What's that have to do with that? everything? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Living for yourself. Second Timothy chapter 3. I didn't come to spare anything this morning in case you wondered. The Apostle Paul said in the, in the book of Acts, he, when he was telling them goodbye, he said, I have spared nothing. That's what he was called to do. Yes? 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first three words are interesting. But know this. But know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. 
for men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. That's why it's not cute, even when they're little, when they back talk and tell you and tell mom and daddy no when they're old enough to know. I'm not talking about the, the, the one that's just talking. That's, you know, that's the first thing they learn is no in mind. Hear me. This is the scripture. It's not the JR. I didn't write it. It's where we're at today. So I'm just stopping right there a second to tell you that it's not cute. And it will eventually come back and bite you or beat you or break you. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanders without self-control. That one's enough to talk about for the next two hours without self-control. Brutal. We've just seen a demonstration of brutal on October 7th, 2023. It's the latest example of brutal of brutality where demon-possessed terrorists invaded the innocents and the world is still crying on the innocents to show restraint. Brutal. Despisers of good. I would love to tell you that it's just the politicians in Washington that despise good, but half of the pulpits in this country are more despise good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, try to understand them and maybe we can make headway with them. From such people, why don't we gear our church services towards reaching them and maybe we can make a difference. You say, why do you say things like that? Because that's literally, we wrote, we've written books on the subject. And it's became the pattern of the church of the world. Discipling the unredeemed. I might tell you that God didn't come to prepare a church for his. He, he, he didn't come to, 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 so we could gear a church to the lost. He came to bring the lost to God. It's his church. It's his church. church is not a meeting. The church is the body of Christ. 
Nobody has any authority or right to alter the body of Christ. Who was it, Vaudie Lambert or someone of the sort that once said that God will never alter the robe of righteousness for the person. He only alters the person to fit the robe of righteousness. Of this sort, of such people turn away. For of this sort are those who come and creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. I struggled over verse 6 for a long time. What does that mean? It turns out when you remove uh, the political correctness and Western sensibilities and, and, and all of that garbage, it turns out it means exactly what it says. God says what he mean, means what he says. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Man, if there's ever a time, that there's more knowledge than there ever has been and less wisdom than we've ever seen. Hello? Hello. We're the most educated society in human history. And has it made us smart? Woo. It's a world upside down. Isaiah said it would come. There would time where the evil was good, called good, and good was called evil. I could give you examples. We've had 20 years of leadership books and leadership conferences, leadership seminars, and we have less leadership than we've ever had in our lifetimes. Always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. I might add right there that a leader, a true leader may be elected to something because that's what the leadership can bring out sometimes, but leaders are not elected. <laughs> it's true. Leaders are appointed by God. There may be some leaders that get elected less and less. But leaders aren't up for election. They're appointed. Like how you amen. Now, Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. Listen to what's being said. So do these, who's the these? It described them. I just spent first six or seven verses describing these. Hello? So do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. Listen, but they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. I'm going to tell you, you're seeing some of that even in the political realm that their folly is being revealed to everybody. 
I could cross out. You know, people don't like for you to say anything political from the pulpit, which I've never cared. It doesn't make me any difference, in that, whatever. Because it's all spiritual, and what God's Word applies to it all, it's not separated from this world. And the reason you're seeing the major cities of this country and the world becoming dung heaps is because the folly of all this is being manifest to all. Hello. And people will get tired of the crime-ridden mess that they're in and sell out everything they own and move somewhere else and behave the same way. Teach their children the same way. Vote the same way. And then wonder how in the world it ended up the same way as where they left. Like they had nothing to do with it. I read last week where the mayor of Memphis, Tennessee told the press that the, the United States Army could not bring Memphis, Tennessee under control. Think of that. I read where the city of Houston, Texas at least had the, the, enough brain cells to rub together to not elect C Sheila Jackson Lee as their mayor. That gives me some hope for humanity, but not much. But still voted the same thing. Chicago still done the same thing. I'm not, I'm not, we're not going to talk about this long. I'm talking about what this looks like that becomes manifest to all. Hello? Like people have no idea how to change it. So they do the same thing. That applies to your life. <laughs> That's very practical and very spiritual. I used to say it all the time and people would look at me like, well, that's profound. Let me hear you. Let me tell you something. If you're going to change your life, you've got to change your life. Tweet that. Let people go, you know what they'll do? They'll read it, Jeff, and they'll go, huh? It's all that, huh? If you're going to change your life, you've got to change your life. If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same thing. End of story. Was it Einstein that gave us the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result? The church in America and around the world is doing that. The same thing over. We're, we, we know this garbage doesn't work, but we're doubling down. We're too committed to it. And you know what? We get the same thing. Yeah. I've read all week and... and, and as the week began to culminate, I began to realize and try to pull some things together and think, man, that, this is going to go over like bacon at a bar mitzvah. Let me help somebody. Jews don't eat pork. <laughs> 
You have to do that now, you know, because while the world is, and the church world, I left my phone down there. I had a list. They're chasing seven mountains. Yeah, I'm going to say that. It's got a picture on it. Not for you, for me. upset my friends sometimes. It's okay. You know, you hear me mention them every while, seven mountains, you know, where the, the, the focus of the church has begun to become to affect the seven mountains of influence. Religion, family, education, government, business, arts and media, and entertainment. at high risk of thinning and culling my circle of preacher friends again, those are seven mountains of flesh, period. That's what they are. Seven mountains of flesh. And whatsoever is of flesh is flesh. Whatsoever is of spirit is spirit. And I will go ahead and ask again, while you're doubling down on it, it was dumb in the 40s when C. Peter Wagner brought it out. It was dumb in the 60s when it, when it shed its skin and come back. It's dumb now. Even if the major perpetrator of this garbage has become one of the most popular so-called preachers in the world, it's still dumb. And we're still doubled down on that garbage. It's seven mountains of flesh is what that is. And it's totally destroyed the credibility of the pulpit. Yes, it has. And I would ask you, because see, the evidence is always what matters. How many of you ever watched a crime show? Now, we're going to have to repent for lying if we can't, we can't go no further. Yeah. And what is, that, what is always the mantra among a true investigator? They'll interview the people, certainly. Talk to the witnesses, absolutely. But the key is not the interview all the time or the witnesses all the time. But the key is always one thing, the evidence. The evidence of this failure and this doubled down garbage of this seven mountains of flesh is how's that going for us? Is the education system better? Is government better? After 20 years of this junk, 60 years really. Is it better? I don't care that their music is good. We sing some of it. The, the doctrine's bad. Is it better? How about arts and entertainment? Media. When I read, this is all the stuff that's destroying our lives. But we...
I get tired of hearing liberal Fruit Loops talking about women's rights and oppression of women and all of those things whenever they're the very people that the court that appointed the courts and the leaders hear me I'm going somewhere that have continued to propagate billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars and hours in hardcore pornography the same people they're going to tell you women are being shamed and put down and, and abused and all this. At the same time, they're, they're paving the road. They block every law. They'll, they'll come out and talk about respect for sex workers and, and all of those things. We're not talking about abusing people. We're talking about normalizing perversion. All the while trying to convince the church and, and men and godly people, period, that, that the pulpit's the bigot whenever they're saying you can't, that you can't make women sex objects on one side while they're over here blocking everything that would stop our daughters from being sex objects. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the hypocrisy. I'm talking about... But they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all. And it is. I'm talking about seven mountains of flesh that the, that the church has bought hook, line, and sinker that's affecting everybody. And I started reading about some mountains of the Spirit this week. And hear me. The first mountain I read about is when... God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and he said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. You know, I believe there was some, might have been some conversation in there, Jeff, because we know about Ishmael. And, and, and God says, take your son. And Ishmael said, okay. Abraham might have said, okay, I'll take Ishmael. He said, no, not that one. That one. The son of promise. Your only son take that one. Oh, he was willing, he was willing to give the flesh away. Or, <laughs> he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. He said, and take him to that mountain. He said, take him to the mountains. He said, I'll show you which mountain when I get there, when you get there. It wasn't the mountain of education. It wasn't the mountain of media. It wasn't the mountain of government. It wasn't, it wasn't any of those mountains. It was a mountain where you take the thing that means more to you than anything in this world just because God asked for it. That was the only reason, hear me, go to this mountain. I told you that when people build an altar, when you go to a place, it's a place where you go to worship. It's a place where you go for things to die. It wasn't a mountain of flesh. God said, God had promised him that boy. And it was God's plan for everything to play out through him. It was generational, by the way. There would have never been a Jacob if there had to been an Isaac. You can't skip it. Take him up. 
You know, it says an amazing thing, Jeff. It says early the next morning that Abraham got up and loaded the donkey. I, you know, I might have delayed it as long as I could, but it says early the next morning. It was immediately that he started loading the things that he needed, and he took some people with him. And they got out there, and they said, what are you doing? He said, listen, the ones that, there, there are some people that are only going to go so far with you. I got news for you. They're only going to go so far. Abraham said, y'all, you two can stay back here with the donkeys. I'm not even going to use the King James Version of that verse, but it applies. So you two stay back here with the donkeys. And me and the boy are going to go up the mountain. And Isaac said, Dad, I, I see the wood. I see the stuff for the altar. He said, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. If there was anything that ought to speak to this church and this generation, it's this mountain. The first mountain in the whole, it's the first mountain in the book. You know what else it is? It's the very first place in the entirety of the Word of God that the word worship is used. It's the first place. And they didn't bring the band with them. Maybe that's who stayed back with the donkeys. I don't know. It says that Abraham built an altar. And he split the wood and he bound his son and he laid him on the altar. I don't see any hesitation. And it says he drew back to slay Isaac. And the Bible says that the angel of, the, not an angel, any old angel, it says the angel of the Lord stopped him that is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ himself before he ever went up the mountain the Bible says that Abraham was looked and he said he saw it he, God never told him he said when you get there I'll show you which mountain but before he ever left he said he saw he looked and he saw it afar off And the angel of the Lord said, stop and don't do the boy any harm. He said, for now, I know that you love me, that you want me more than you want anything else. You know what the word calls that? He said, we're going to go up the mountain. We're going to build the altar, split the wood. He said, the boy, he said, it says, and Abraham and Isaac worshipped God there. That worship was immediate, unrestrained, unlimited obedience 
to what God had asked. Worship. You can sing all day, but if you haven't obeyed, you haven't worshiped. The time is coming, and now is, when they that worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. I read another mountain where they come out of Egypt by God's own hand and deliverance and miraculous power. And again, God called Moses up the mountain where where he was at by himself. Told the people where he was going, what he was going to do. And he no more gets out of town than the people are going to, to, to Aaron and saying, make us a God. That we can worship. He brought us out of Egypt, but here we are. I see the first preacher compromising to the will of the people, saying, Well, bring me your gold, bring me your, break the earrings out of your ears, and I'll fashion for you a God. And he formed it. He, he even, say, even told, when he gave the explanation, he said, I, I melted the gold and it just fell out of calf. Just fell out of there like he had nothing to do with it. And when they got back, God said, go. Moses was up on the mountain getting receiving the covenant. And God said, get back down there to the people. They've lost their mind. They're down there worshiping an idol. Go. And they were down there giving that stupid golden calf the credit for their deliverance out of Egypt. And there's an interesting statement when Moses got there, and I believe it applies today. I'm going to... You know what? He, he got down there and he looked around and he said, Aaron, what's going on? And, and the people had said, well, because you delayed your returning. He, he, told, he went for 40 days, Okay. And in, in, 40, in 40 days' time, they went from a, a following a God that delivered them in the wilderness, fed them in the wilderness. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They, they were no, nobody sick left Egypt. They were all well. They were all healed. All of that. And in 40 days, they wanted something they could see and touch and something made of their riches that they could worship in 40 days. You know what Moses asked him when he found out? He said, all right, listen up, everybody. I got one question for you. Who is on the Lord's side among you? And those stepped over with him, literally. And when they did, he said, all right, the rest of you, kill all of them. Kill the rest of them right now. Say, whoa, God, God was different. He said, are we supposed to be killing people? Oh, no, this is, this is, this is a, a picture. This is a picture. You better thank God for grace. But God hasn't changed. 
He said, you know what it says in there on this mountain, at the bottom of this mountain, you know what it says? He said, among them is your brothers, your fathers, your kinsmen, your people, and they're destroying you. You've chosen to be with God. Kill them all. And I'm reminded of when Jesus himself said, if, you're, if, I, if you don't love me more than you love your mother, more than you love your father, more than you love your kids, people, you're not even worthy of me. There's a picture of it right there. You say, that sounds awful harsh. You know what, you know what God was doing? He was saying, you've got to separate. You've got to kill this stuff. And if you don't, it will kill you. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make it clear at 1221. If you, if you need to know what time it is, it is 1221. I love my kids. I will fight for them. I will die for them. But hear what God is saying. But here's what I will not do. I will not go to hell for them. There's some, there are going to be some people in this room today that says, nope, that's not the kind of church I want. You don't want a biblical church. That's what you're saying because this is an absolute, a scriptural, this is in context, it is correct, it is right. Whatever, why did we, how did we ever come to a place where we thought the church was about, uh, uh, about not being dealt with, with where we're at? This is what the Word does. It deals with you where you're at out of mercy, out of grace, out of love. Too many preachers adjusting it, they don't have the right to do that. Apologizing for it, like God needs an apology. In the meantime, people are being destroyed, right and left, because, hear me, your way doesn't work. You can get mad at the preacher all you want to, but your way doesn't work. My way doesn't work. If my way is not this way, my way will not work either. Jeff, you know what this, you know what this kind of stuff does? It gets people to heaven. That's what it does. It saves marriages. It saves lives. It gets people to heaven. It doesn't tickle flesh. Oh, and we could, we could tickle. So if we wanted to preach that, that seven mountains of flesh stuff, this place, we would have already had to build another building, Jeff. But instead, we got to deal with people's offenses. You, here, you're not, you're not offended with the preacher. You're offended with God. You need to understand that. See, here's the scriptural mountain was a, 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 scripture, a, a, a mountain of worship where you lay down the very thing that means the absolute most to you. And God, if this is what you want, this is what I will give. And God never wanted Isaac. He wanted Abraham. God didn't pull a trick on the people of the children of Israel around, around the base of Sinai. He didn't trick them. They forsook God immediately in, in, in their fleshly desires, and it was going to destroy you. God even told Moses in that moment, he said, if you'll stand aside, I'll destroy them all. 
And Moses is the most incredible intercessor in the entirety of the Word of God, if you don't know it. Not just one time, multiple times. And somebody hear me, somebody hear me, somebody hear me. There are going to be people that their lives are saved, families that are going to be saved, maybe your family, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, because of the time that comes when they deserve for God to smoke them right where they was at. They, they deserve for you to kill them yourself. They deserve for you to leave. They deserved all of it. But Moses, they, they did deserve it. They were all in idolatry. Even the ones that chose the Lord's side when they were called out, they were all there. That was mercy. That was grace. Who's on the Lord's side? Join. That's, that's what that was. It was an opportunity. God never, God never judges without the opportunity to do the right thing. He never has and he never will. All the way back, Cain and Abel. If you're not done right, why is your countenance falling? If you don't do right, will I not receive you? Hello? This mountain was a mountain of obedience. I can remind you of a third mountain in, in, in my quest to redeem the time. There was another mountain where the, where the, where the, where the Word, the Son of God, became flesh and He, went, he climbed it not for His sin, but my sin and your sin, where he paid everything on that mountain. See, that was, it's a place of sacrifice where stuff goes to die. There is a mountain of victory coming, and it'll be at the same place at the same time, where the one who's paid the... See, you know, the one, you know where the victory can only come? The, only the victory can come through the one who paid the price. And he's going to come on that mountain, set his feet, and he's going to come in power and great glory. We're living for that day. We've got to get away from the mountains of flesh. You're not going to, you should prayerfully vote in the next election. Of course you should. But you're not going to find any freedom, redemption, salvation, or anything, deliverance, or anything else in Washington, D.C. You're not going to. You're not going to find it in any denomination or any man, anywhere. These are the mountains of flesh, religion. I'm preaching about this generation. If you hadn't figured it out, I'm preaching about that the, the truth of the Word of God has got to be brought back to this generation or they're going to die. I'm preaching about that the folly of this mess that God, that He told Timothy, this is a prophecy from Paul. That this was going to happen. He told us. He didn't leave it out. I'll tell you that the word of God says this. And look at me and listen. That God will do nothing in the earth. Lest he tells his prophets first. He's just. God is just. The problem is, is when he told it, people don't like it. The problem is when he told it, they don't want to take it to the altar. The problem is, is when he warns, they reject the warning. The problem is, is they become stiff-necked. The problem is, is they reject him. The, prob the problem's not God. 
The problem is when he tells us we don't believe it, we have no regard for his word. That's the problem. Do you know what he wants from us? I'll tell you what he wants from us. Everything. I noticed something. This is so pertinent, so relevant to right now. I noticed something, not before last. All of them. Of the major players that made a difference from the beginning. The devil came for him as a child. All of them. And all of them, every single one of them, were saved and now we're saved because their mother gave them to God. Didn't try to withhold them, gave them to God. All of them. Moses, the first deliverer. The Pharaoh said, kill all the boys under two. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, <laughs> Noah's parents hid him. Oh, today, we might say, well, that's what the government asked for. That's what we've got to do. No, by faith. It said, not fearing the king. You know what else it wasn't? Not holding on to her boy. Not protecting him herself. I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about where we're at. This is, this is right. That's why I said keep your kids in here. And I hope you're hearing me. The safest place Moses ever was in his life was in a straw basket in a crocodile-infested Nile River that he would have been a quick... I, I've seen African crocodiles. They're aggressive. And they're everywhere. And a baby would be nothing but a quick snack. And the safest place he was was in that basket. She was willing to give trust everything about that baby in God's hands. She had no idea that Pharaoh's daughter would find him or who would find him. She had no idea that Pharaoh's daughter would love him and see him, have compassion on him. He would have no idea that she would say, I'm going to keep him. She would have no idea that she would say, I need a nursemaid. She had no idea that when she'd done this, that they'll be back for me tomorrow and I'll nurse him and I'll raise him as my own. And she had no idea and she'd have never found out if she hadn't worshipped and gave God the, the most important. And we would still, we, we would not be delivered, you or I or anybody else. Samuel was the first commissioned prophet in all of the word. Do you know that? And he had a mother that was being mocked by another woman. That she, that she asked God, 
She begged God. She, the Bible says she prayed until she had no voice left. Hello? Until, and even until the priest thought she was drunk. But what she told him is, if you'll give me a male child, I'll give him back to you. As soon as he's weaned, I'll give him back to you. He's yours if you'll, just get, if you'll give him to me. And God did. He opened up her womb. And Samuel was born. And she did exactly what she said. And Samuel was raised in the household of a priest that wasn't willing to give his boys. And they died by strange fire in a war. Hello? Y'all ain't listening. What did Samuel do? I can tell you the most important thing that Samuel done. First of all, he heard the voice of God and acted on it. That's the most important thing he done. And then he anointed a king named David who would establish a throne forever that that a Savior would come through because his mother was willing to give everything just to have him. I'm hurrying, but not too fast. The next thing I see... A lady named Elizabeth. That the angel came and said, you're going to have a a son. He is going to be the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He's going to break the silence of God for the last 400 years. And she said, I agree with you. Let's do it. I see one time where he came, the next time he came to a father and said, this is why, well, he, he came to the same baby's father and the, and, the, and the father doubted God and God struck him mute until the baby was born. He said, if you ain't going to agree with me, shut up. Boom. That's what he did. Then he comes to a virgin girl that's already betrothed. She, she's, she's a spectacle by now. Goes first to the one who should be told to. He said, don't put her away because what's conceived in her is me. It's okay. And he goes to the virgin girl and says, what's in you is of the Holy Ghost. He said, you're blessed among women. I'm giving you a son. He will be the savior of his people. And she said, how is this going to be? And he said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And she said, that's all I need to know. Be it unto me according to thy word. And then she watched him take him and kill him. She was one of the only ones that went with him all the way to the cross. Then his tomb. Then I might tell you his ascension. And then on the day of Pentecost, there she was again. Those are the things that matter. When you hang on to the things that don't belong to you, you will lose it. Corey Tim Boom famously said, I've learned to hold everything loosely so that when God asks for it, he doesn't have to pry it out of my hand. I come speaking to the church, I come speaking to parents, I come speaking to whoever's listening, that all this stuff, the, the foolishness that has been manifested to everybody, and it's time we wake up, it doesn't work. You gotta get to the altar.
build an altar, a place where you come to die, a place where you came to give God. The safest place you can put your life is in the hands of God, in the will of God. If you're looking for safety, Brandon, come play. I want you to hear something. Because that's one of our problems today. We're looking for safe things. Am I right or wrong? I'm going to tell you what, safety, what that kind of safety is. It's a prison. It's what it is. And it's a life sentence. If you don't believe that, let me tell you something. The safest place that you could be on the face of the earth today is in a maximum security prison in solitary confinement. That's safety. You're not going to get injured there. You're not going to get hurt there. But you know what you're going to do there? You're going to lose your mind there. You're going to die there. You're not going to find any joy, peace, or happiness there. You're going to find anguish and anxiety. It's the ultimate punishment. Among prisoners feared worse than the needle, than death. Maximum security. Solitary confinement. But you know what they are? They're safe. They're safe from their other people, and the other people are safe from them. They've traded everything. The freedom, relationship, everything. Church. He's been in this place today. Stand with me because today is a place of opportunity. Today is a place of opportunity. Has been from the opening moments. of the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a day of opportunity. I'm not badgering or anything. I'm just going to agree with the word again. we got to find an altar, not just at the end of a service. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe we've already met with the Lord as far as the altar goes today. I can't contrive another one. <laughs> That's another problem. But I can tell you, if we don't get our priorities straight, we're going to lose it all. I can tell you with our kids and our, and our students and all, if we, if we don't give them to God. Quit trying to give them the world and give them to God. When you give them the world, that's exactly what you're giving them. You're giving them the world. The Bible says, love not the world, nor the things of this world. Does that say that? Oh, that means you're going to have it. That's not what it means. 
It means it'll rearrange your priorities and they'll be your first priority and living for God will be the paramount decision in your life. You won't be working church and God into your schedule. There's some people that think that because they've, been, they've moved things around where they can make it to church and still do everything else that they've honored God. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First, if you're working God in, he's checked out. He will not have it. And just like it was with Abraham, he didn't want Isaac. He wanted Abraham. Now I know that you fear me, that you love me above everything else. Now I know. And I hope that's what my wife and my kids have learned about Jr. And I hope that's what Mag Church learns about Jr. Is I love him, I love his word more than anything else. End of story. And when that happens, you'll gain. And your reward will be eternal. Father in heaven, take my feeble attempt that I've made this morning to convey what you would say to the people I can't speak to the heart of man but you can I can at best stir an emotion occasionally but I can't speak to the heart of man Lord, move by your spirit in homes, families, in this place. Lord, mark this place. I pray every day that your presence would be manifest in this house. Where pe- there will be some people where people, some people will never want to come here because they don't want to surrender. But the ones that do will be saved and set free. And delivered from the bondages that are dragging them down and killing them. And that will be the testimony of Mag Church. And the kingdom. God, would you help us? God, would you do that? All across this place. And this is, this is the close. You're not committing to me. I'm not even going to ask you out loud because it doesn't. So it's a heart condition. Will you commit to surrender and dying to your will? Will you commit to worship? That's going to take you to a place of prayer to meet with. The first thing it's going to do is drive you to a place to meet God. And it's going to change your priorities. It's going to change the way you live your life on Monday, not just Sunday. But it's also where victory is going to be won and all the garbage that destroying your family is going to stop. Listen, I have nothing else to offer. You come to me for a counseling, if it's not in the Word of God, I don't have anything to offer you. If you come to hear a prosperity marriage message, go work hard, you'll, you'll, you'll make money. <laughs> that's, that's how you get prosperous go work <laughs> but if you want to hear 
the oracles of God and learn the truth of God, you'll open it. You'll say, open my eyes. Because see, the Spirit is the teacher. And He'll do it. If you'll get hungry, He'll feed you. And Lord, I ask it and the only way I can in Jesus' name. And Lord, it's between you and everybody in this place to do anything with it. I can't do it. And I ask you, amen, amen, and amen.